Today we're talking about how money is changing and I know, I know, you're probably thinking money is going to be digital and cryptocurrencies will rule the world. Well, perhaps, but there is definitely much more to it than you think. Wonderful people of the internet, welcome back to another episode of The Future Of here at Nordic Fintech Magazine. And today we're going to be talking about the future of money. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money. We all know how to spend it. Some of us know how to earn it, save it, and some of us even know how to invest it. But do we actually know what money is all about? Well, to understand money, we have to go all the way to the mid-Pacific. And we're going to be looking at a group of islands called the Federation of Micronesia. The Federation of Micronesia lies around 2,500 miles away from Australia and 3,000 miles away from Hawaii. So really it's right in the middle of the Pacific. Now we're interested in a small island that's part of Micronesia called the Island of Yap. The Island of Yap is very popular with tourists and with economists. It has a very colorful culture, but a couple of things you need to know about this island is that first of all, it's very, very small. It only has around 11,000 people living in it. And secondly, it doesn't really have a lot going in terms of natural resources. But the reason economists like talking about the island of Yap is that around 500 years ago, they developed a monetary system based on these big stones called rye coins. Now, 500 years ago, the islanders started venturing out on their canoes, going to other islands in the vicinity. And in some of these islands, they found big sediment deposits of limestones. And they found that the limestone was malleable. They could work the surface and mold them into different shapes. So the islanders started taking these bits of limestone and working them to create round shapes and even make holes right in the middle of them. As they started bringing the rye cones back onto the islands, the stone became immediately popular. First of all, because it was a material that was not available in the island. And secondly, because the islanders could see that the person that had brought the stone had spent some time working on it, making it round. Now, these two attributes of money, scarcity and evidence of work, were fundamental for them to be able to ascribe value to the stones. As these rice stones increased in popularity, trading started to take place between the goods and services that the islanders produced and the stones. Now, this drove islanders to continue to venture out to sea, bringing back bigger and heavier stones onto the island. At some point, they were so heavy that they would just have to offload them from their canoes and they would just roll them over on the beach, or in some cases, they would roll them over to the chief's house and they would just leave them there. What's really interesting is that transactions were still taking place using these rye stones. But because it was so impractical to actually move one stone from one person to the other, the stones didn't really actually exchange hands. Instead, what people would do is that they would gather the neighbors, sometimes they would even call the chief to witness whenever a transaction using rye was taking place, and then, rather than rolling the rye over to the house of the new owner, they would just point to it. And what's really interesting here is that the money then belonged to whom everyone else remembered that the money belonged to. In essence, they developed a record-keeping system that was based on the collective memory of the community. Sounds familiar? If you recognize the concept, it's probably because a lot of the new forms of money that are emerging are based on this idea of communal record keeping using decentralized networks to register transactions on common ledgers. Now, if what I just said makes absolutely no sense, think of it as a network being formed of many computers. 
Each computer is equivalent to one person. The moment a transaction takes place, it gets permanently recorded on every computer in the network, in the same way that an event would get captured in the memory of the people that witnessed it. As such, the more people that witness a transaction, the less likely it is for any misunderstandings to arise regarding who paid what, to whom, and when. It is also interesting that the people of Yap were also able to transact without the Rhinestones physically exchanging hands. And this is very similar to the type of digitalization that we see today where currency has really become this intangible way of exchanging value and buying goods and services. So you see, money really is just about the collective narrative that we tell each other about value. Dollars, euros, pound notes, gold, silver, raystones, and Bitcoin only have value because the community that uses it believes that it does. It is really a matter of faith. What's really interesting here is that what we're starting to see is the emergence of different stores of value enabled by technology. Now, traditionally, our monetary systems have been very unidimensional in the sense that to participate in the formal economy, we have only been able to transact with things that are directly convertible into money. But we all know instinctively that there's activities that take place at a social level that we all consider valuable and yet not always translate into money. Things, for example, like loyalty and charity. Okay, so you may be thinking, well, what's new about that? We have been using alternative sources of value for ages. We're all familiar with the use of loyalty points, vouchers, and earmarks, right? Well, these alternative tokens have mostly been redeemable only within the community that issued them. It is very unlikely that if you take the coupons that you've accumulated in the supermarket, you'll be able to go and book a hotel with them. Yet, the new source of value are emerging from communities very much like the people of Yap. These communities are using technology to capture and exchange value by rewarding things that communities find important. Thanks to technology, value is becoming more and more diversified. And this is where we need to start talking about digital currencies. Digital currencies have so far only been used as ways of storing value. However, certain types of digital currencies, specifically cryptocurrencies, are slowly making their way into the economic system as forms of payment. Now, please stop and think for a second about how remarkable this is. A certain community decides to create computer code that generates these cryptocurrencies. Through this, the community can limit their supply and generate value through scarcity and through the activities that bring a new unit of currency into existence. This is very similar to what happened in Yap. The Rhinestones had value because they were scarce and because someone had gone through the trouble of rounding them and bringing them onto the island. Now, what's really remarkable is that in the case of some cryptocurrencies, the code that may have only been valuable among some quirky individuals within the community that created it is now starting to be recognized as having real tangible value to the point that companies now like Amazon, Starbucks, and even Tesla are starting to accept payments in Bitcoin, which is one of the most famous cryptocurrencies. And this is all happening without the intervention of any central authority like a bank or a government. This is mind blowing. A great example of a community that has been able to generate its own token and transact with it comes from Israel. And this is a token that was created a few years ago called, called Hearts. Hearts were only issued to a group of about, of about 20,000 mothers in Israel. And these mothers, like any mother, would perform essential services to the community and to their families. Things like picking up the children from school, tutoring, or babysitting are things that parents value and appreciate greatly. And yet, they're not generally considered part of the formal economy. 
However, this community of mothers in Israel created an entire economy where mothers would be rewarded with hearts for their activities that the community considered valuable. And hearts were then also redeemable for other goods and services that the same mothers would produce. In 2019, the community transacted a total of 24 million US dollars worth of hearts for things like secondhand toys, piano lessons, and even handmade clothes. This is a great example of how new sources of value are popping up and being used to transact, all without the intervention of a central authority or a central bank or a government. We are in fact starting to see the emergence of this multivariate scenario where we might actually be moving towards a world in which for the first time in recent history, we're able to transact and reward activities that have previously not been considered as part of the traditional economic value system. Now, there's still many questions that remain to be answered. For example, would the emergence of alternative tokens of value threaten the stability of national sovereign monetary systems? Or should the government regulate and tax transactions that take place with any of these alternative tokens? Things in this space seem to be changing on a weekly basis. So it's sufficient to say that for now, we are certainly heading towards a period of significant disruption in the way in which we create and exchange value. What is likely to look like in the short, mid, long term is of course a topic for another video. Thank you so much for sticking to the very end of this video. Don't worry about sharing and liking it. After all, who am I to tell you what to do? Instead, if you feel like it, you can always find more interesting content on our website at nordicfintechmagazine.com. And if not, then we hope to see you on another episode of The Future Of here at Nordic Fintech Magazine. See you soon.